Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Thank God that we serve a personal God who loves us and cares about us and cares about every part of our being, every part of our lives, who's made provision for us in every realm of life. Thank Him for His presence, His power, His peace, His promises, His provision, His protection. Praise God for His goodness. Mercy and grace. Anyone need a copy of the notes? Raise your hand. I think we're going to give you a steak dinner this morning, so get ready for it. I guarantee you, you'll be challenged and your thinking cap will have to be on. I guarantee it. Praise God. But, you know, I believe you're going to receive from the Lord this morning. You believe to receive from the Lord this morning? Amen. Life-changing truths. Praise God. Got your Bible out there. Let's hold them to heaven and say, thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're talking about the way to heaven. John 14, 6 will be our opening text, but we're talking about the way to heaven. This is lesson two. I'm going to pick it up, share some more things with you that I believe will be a blessing to help you also minister to other people. So John 14, verse 6 tells us, this is Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. You believe that? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father. Notice, no man. No man. Except how? By Him. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us there's only one mediator between God and man. And His name is? Christ Jesus. So there's one God and one mediator. Only one. Between God and man. What's His name? So according to Jesus, and according to Paul, and Paul was taught the gospel by Jesus, that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, and he's the only way, basically, to heaven. Now, we are living in the land of the dying. And when we die, where do we go? To the land of the living. Where we spend our eternal living is determined by what we do in the land of the dying. That means as we live our lives on this earth. Now, we've got some questions we want to answer this morning. What is the determining factor is one of them. What do we need to do on this side of heaven to guarantee that when we leave this realm of life, we're going to be in heaven and reign with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever? Another one is, are Christians being narrow-minded when they say that Jesus is the only way? And then thirdly, what about all the other religions of the world and all the other people groups of the world, those people that are out there that are practicing their own religious beliefs? 
Are we saying they're going to be lost forever? What about them? Well, just to help us better understand, I've listed some beliefs of other religions. Number one, Buddhism. The goal is not heaven. It's nirvana. And look at the definition there. It's a state of existence that defies definition because it goes beyond space and time. The goal is to be free from birth, rebirth, death, and rebirth. The goal is not heaven. And so the reason why we need to reach out to these people because they think there is no heaven or they think the goal isn't heaven. That's Buddhism. Then you've got Confucianism. Look at this one. The goal is to promote good behavior and peace. There is no God and it doesn't look to a heaven or a nirvana. That's Confucianism. So those that are practicing Confucianism, they have no goal to make heaven. So when we say a person who doesn't believe in Christ will be lost, they're going to be lost because of their belief system. And they're rejecting the truth. And that's why we're to evangelize the world and let people know that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. And then thirdly, Hinduism. The goal is to become one with the universe and be free from the cycle of rebirth or karma. So one day, in other words, the goal is I'm not going to continue to be born and reborn and reborn and reborn and reborn and reborn. So finally, I just fade away. That's not a goal as far as heaven is concerned. So, so far, these are not even believing in a heaven. And then, wow, the New Agers. They see themselves as God. And they live their lives, they are becoming God. And the ultimate goal is to create their own reality. That's not what Jesus taught. And then you've got pantheism. You'll love this one. The end of their being is they're being reabsorbed into the nature of which they were, are, and always will be a part. So they're absorbed. They want to be buried in a, in a place like out in the woods somewhere because they're being absorbed back into the earth from which they came. That's not heaven. Sometimes you see people talking about there's many ways that lead to God. There's many ways. <laughs> Study out the religion and find what, out what they teach. I would hate to think that in my thinking I'm just going to fade away and just become part of the dust of the earth. But that's what the belief system is. And then you've got Islam. The goal is to enter paradise. They believe in hell and also a paradise. But you have to believe in Allah. Of course, Muhammad is his prophet. But you have to also perform the required duties of the religious belief. The problem with that is though there's no savior. And because there's no savior, it's up to you to save yourself by number one, believing in Allah. And number two, Fulfilling the five duties. Now, you still don't have a guarantee of paradise because you don't really know whether or not you, let's say, did what was required or you were good enough. And so it's still left up in the air. But you do have, according to the religious belief, this one thing. If you sacrifice your life for Allah, 
you automatically go to paradise. Hence, suicide bombers, people that take their own lives and by blowing themselves up, they're doing it because of their religious beliefs. This is a guarantee for paradise. Now, remember this. If all it was was good works, could have a person go to heaven? And being a person of good moral character and conduct? Many of these people are probably more dedicated than Christians. Say amen or oh my. Because of their belief system. They believe in a high moral standard, high moral conduct and character and behavior, etc., etc. Because you see, they have an ultimate reality, I guess, a goal, whether it's creating your own reality at some point or whatever it might be. But the only one so far that believes in a heaven and a hell is Islam. And once again, it's based on you, not on a savior. So when you hear these people criticizing Christians for saying what they say about Look, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You better find out what the way is. Think about what they believe. It's not offensive when you understand and realize we want to help them make heaven. We're not criticizing what they believe. We're not even saying that they're not good people of good moral character. See, the point is how to get to heaven. Now we get to this point here. And this is what I really want to stress this morning. So I'm asking you to fasten up your seatbelt, get your steel-toed shoes on, and get ready to go. Are you ready to go this morning? Judaism and Christianity. Judaism and Christianity. Look at the book of Galatians chapter 3 being in verse 7. And before we even get into this, just give me one more moment. I neglected to share with you at the very end of my message last week. What about those people that are out there and these people that uh, maybe never heard, don't know, etc., etc. about the gospel. And the story is the in individual who was... Um, walking one day past his father's workplace where he made the idols for his people to worship. And when he saw his father whittling out these false idols, he continued on walking away and finally it just hit him. My father makes the idols that my people worship, but who makes my father's hands? And he walked up on a mountaintop and he stood there looking up and said, my father makes the idols that my people worship, who makes my father's hands? And he kept on saying that. He would do it day after day. And one day an angel appeared to him and said, there's a man who will be coming on an elephant. He'll be riding in on an elephant. And when he comes in, he'll have a black book in his hand and he will tell you who makes your father's hands. And a missionary was there in other villages and he's ministering to the people there. And when he got done ministering there, he said, is there anywhere else nearby where I can go? And they said, oh yeah, there's a place where you can go, but you will not go because they will kill you. You will not go there. They will kill you. He said, no, I have to go because I'm divinely sent. I have to go. We can get you so far in my Jeep. He said, but the rest of the way, it's, it's too thick. You've got to go in an elephant. No problem. And so he's riding in on an elephant. He goes into the village. And as he starts going into the village, this man comes out and meets him there and sees him on that elephant. And the man proceeds to tell him who made his father's hands. He preached him the gospel of Jesus Christ and the whole village got saved. So anyone that's out there 
Romans chapter 1 where Paul the Apostle made it very clear in our conscience and in creation itself we know God exists and if you're really sincere about finding God and knowing God all you got to do is follow that intuition that you have on the inside that you know God exists so man will be without excuse as a matter of fact he goes on to say in Romans chapter 1 because when they knew God didn't glorify him as God and they began to worship the creature more than the creator remember that in Romans chapter 1 listen carefully they worship the creator a creature more than the creator Worshipping all these false idols, worshipping uh, the sun God, the moon God, the this God, the that God, and all that, exalting them up as God. And God gave them over to a reprobate mind, which means a mind that's void of judgment as a result of a mind void of judgment, where they basically were their own idols, they follow their own ways. And it's like anarchy, you do whatever you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, because it's all up to you. Romans chapter 1, he then goes on and talks about what? And even the men gave up their use for the woman to do what is unnatural. And the woman gave up her use for the man to do what is unnatural. I, he gave them over to a reprobate mind to live the way they want to live and do what they want to do. And all you hear today, it's all about a reprobate mind. I'll tell you right now, it's all about a reprobate mind. A mind that doesn't know God, doesn't understand God, doesn't walk with God. They're doing their own thing. Now that's Romans chapter 1 that came, that came from a Jewish person, Paul the Apostle, as he was instructed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, in the book of Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, again, get with me on this. There's a lot here to digest, okay? Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Get that. He preached the gospel to Abraham. Wait a minute. Abraham lived way, way, way before the gospel. But keep that in mind. Saying, in thee shall one nation of the earth. Oh, you are awake. All nations of the earth be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Now, Jews, there's, there's this misunderstanding. Jews being saved by keeping the law was a common misconception as far as the Old Testament way of salvation is concerned. Judaism, the Jews... And people think that the Jews were saved by keeping the Mosaic law. But nothing could be further from the truth. That's not how a Jewish person is saved by keeping the Mosaic law. Look at verse 6 again, chapter, Galatians 3 verse 6. Abraham was not saved by keeping the law, Galatians 3 6. He was not saved by keeping the Mosaic law. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for what? Did he get saved by keeping the law? Anyone want to tell me why he didn't get saved by keeping the law? The law wasn't even existing. Existing at that time. The law was added 430 years after. Are you with me? How could he be saved by keeping the law that didn't exist? So 430 years later the law was added. But Abraham was not made just or righteous before God by keeping the law or practicing Judaism, there was no priesthood, there was no temple, there was no sacrifice, there was none of that. No feast days, etc., etc., etc. They did not exist. 
Abraham was justified or saved or made righteous in the sight of God by faith in the promise. Look at the next. Children of Abraham are people of faith. Look at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the what? Who are they? The children of Abraham. So I thought the Jewish people are the children of Abraham. Well, we're going to see a twofold thing here in just a moment. You'll understand it better. He's not talking, the biological children of Abraham, one thing. But the true children of Abraham are the spiritual seed of Abraham. And you'll see that. Next, verse 8. All nations are saved by faith. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through, the heathen through what? Faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations, all nations, every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation, some people say, well, just let all these other people go. No, we've been told to evangelize the world because they're lost. And they're going to spend their eternity in the lake of fire. But we've got to send missionaries. We've got to send people out there to let them know. Because all nations are to be blessed in Abraham. Not just the Jewish people. All the nations of the world. Next, people of faith are blessed with Abraham. So the they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Notice he doesn't say that those who keep the law are blessed with Abraham. But those he is saying who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Why is he targeting this? Why is he speaking like this to these people? Because the churches of Galatia, they were comprised or made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers that were born again, washed in the blood. And Judaizers were coming in and undermining the teaching of Paul and telling them you know what, now that you're born again, washed in the blood, you still need to get circumcised and you still need to keep the law. You still need to keep the feast days and you've got to do all this because now that you're a Gentile, but you've been saved, now you're saved by grace, but you've got to keep the law. And Paul was saying, who has bewitched you? Who's hypnotized you? Who came there and told you that? Don't believe a word of it. Don't believe one word of what they're teaching you. No. And he's saying, look, Abraham wasn't saved by keeping the law. And those that are truly the children of Abraham are not the natural seed of Abraham, but the spiritual seed of Abraham. And you'll see that in just a moment. Now notice this. Verse, uh, verse 11. The law justifies no man. But that no man is justified by the law on the side of God. It is evident for the just shall live by what? Wait a minute. Is that just New Testament teaching? No. He's quoting Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. No man is justified by the law on the side of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. So the Old Testament teaching of salvation to the Jewish people was not the keeping of the law. It was their believing by faith in a coming Savior. That is what would save the Jewish people. So let's, let's make that clear. And then... The law itself is not a faith. Look at verses 12 through 14. The law is not a faith. And the law is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on whom? The Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So here Paul is making a point to these people. Stop saying to these Gentiles that they have got to start getting circumcised and keeping the law. Because no man is justified by the law. No man can keep the law. And there's no possible way you can get saved by the law. 
And you know what? When people, die, remember when Jesus was on earth and he taught about the rich man and Lazarus and one died, they both died and one went to Abraham's bosom and the other one went into hell where he was suffering. Why did the man that was in comfort go into Abraham's bosom and not heaven? Because Judaism can't get you into heaven. Did you hear me? Judaism cannot get you into heaven. It can get you into Abraham's bosom. But that's it. Their faith was supposed to be in the gospel, not in the law. Their faith was supposed to be in a coming Savior who would save them. But before he came, obviously he couldn't do it. So they were held in a compartment called Abraham's bosom where they were in a place of comfort while the rich man was in a place of discomfort in hell. And when Jesus finally fulfilled all that was required for redemption for man, he went down with a big old key and opened up the door of Abraham's bosom. Everybody went out and straight to heaven. If Judaism can get you to heaven, guess what? You didn't need him to come. Make sense? Okay, next. The law was added. Then why for the reason of the law? The law was added. Why was it added? To expose sin and point to Christ, the coming Savior. To let man know you can't save yourself. You are a sinner and you can't save yourself. Now Paul is writing to, once again, these Christians both Jew and Gentile Christians to do what? Protect them from the Judaizers that's undermining his teaching. And he tells them this. Look, verses 16 through 19. And really, put your thinking cap on right now. There's a lot of revelation here. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now stop right there. Who's Abraham's seed? See, immediately people think naturally. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is... Who was Abraham's seed? The natural Jews? They were his seeds. But who was Abraham's seed? Christ. The promise was made to who? Abraham and Christ. Christ is Abraham's seed. And this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham how? By promise, not keeping the law. Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed singular should come to whom the promise was made. And who's the seed? And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator, which is Moses. And so we understand now that 430 years after the promise was made, the covenant was made with Abraham, the law was added to that covenant. Why? To expose sin. To let man know you're a sinner. To let him know you can't save yourself. You can't find your way to heaven on your own. You can never be good enough, do good enough. You can feed the poor. You can give your body to be burned. But if, you're, if you don't know Christ, you're lost. Do you see this? Okay. That's the point he's making to these people. So now in your notes. Abraham's seed, not seeds, was Christ. The law could not give life. Look at verse 21. The law could not give life. Is the law then against the promises of God? 
God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, for verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So as long as the first covenant was in play, as long as there was the priesthood, as long as there was a temple, as long as they were offering sacrifices and doing all that they were doing and keeping the Mosaic law, faith was still shut up. You couldn't live by faith. You could believe in the future promise, but you couldn't live by it at that point. Okay, in your notes, the law couldn't give life. The law then was a tutor. Look at verse 24. A schoolmaster. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. It's really pedagogue in the Greek, a schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. So then why did the law exist? What was the service of the law? What did it serve? So that people could know and be, under, and, and be taught from a child's age, from a young person's age, that there's coming a Messiah. And when he comes, he's going to save us. And the pedagogue was one that was a part of the family that they took in, that took care of the young ones, took care of the kids. A schoolmaster, a tutor, a trainer, a teacher. And that would take care of them until they got to a higher level. Until they got older. And it would just instruct them. So what was the law? The law was our teacher. It was their teacher. It was the, the Jews' teacher to teach them that there's coming a day when Christ is going to come. Messiah. They call him Messiah. When Messiah comes. But this is going to instruct you about the Messiah when he comes. So it was a schoolmaster to teach them. To let them know those things. Number one. You're a sinner. Number two, you can't save yourself. Number three, you need a savior. His name is Jesus. Okay, then the law's purpose was fulfilled in verse 25. Remember, Paul's telling this to these Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians that are being told they need to go into the law. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Once you've graduated from elementary school, you move on to high school. You don't need the elementary school any longer. But all the teachings of the elementary school will be a part of you when you go off to high school. So the law under the Jewish law, which was the schoolmaster, the teacher, the instructor that helped them mold them, shape them, form them, would then usher them into a next level where the higher level would be Christ would come and by faith and you would have a new master, a new teacher, a new instructor, and his name is Jesus and he would send the Holy Ghost and teach you everything you need to know. So you're graduating, in other words, from elementary Judaism to Christianity, the higher level of learning. Are you following me so far? We're showing you how Judaism was supposed to transition into Christianity, but they rejected their salvation. And then, everyone in Christ is Abraham. Look at this. If this doesn't make you shout, get a new shouter. Go purchase one at Walmart today. Look at verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith, not keeping the law, in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Is that you today? Okay, you ready for it now? So there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, you are Abraham's what? His what? Not seeds. Seed. The Jewish people are the seeds, the biological seeds. But the born again Jew, Gentile, 
bondman, free man, male, female. They are Abraham's seed heirs according to the promise that God made Abraham, not for keeping the law, but by faith. Are you following it? Okay, he doesn't stop there. Oh my goodness, look at the next. The coming of age, Galatians chapter 4. Let's read the first seven verses first of all. The coming of age. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though it be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption. Notice the word adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his, father, his son into your hearts, crying out, a father. Wherefore, you're no longer a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now let's back this up from the beginning here and explain it. A biological son was considered a servant. And he was considered a servant until his bar mitzvah. I used to play for all kinds of bar mitzvahs when I was growing up as a young teenager. I had no idea what it was all about. All this hoopla that's going on, all this excitement, all this enthusiasm and all this stuff. Still dodging beer bottles and stuff like that. But still, it was a bar mitzvah. Okay? A biological son is still a servant until age 13 and one day. At age 13 and one day, he then transitions from being a servant, even though he's a biological son, to an adopted son, whereupon he takes upon himself the responsibilities and duties of sonship and manhood. He's now recognized as a son of the covenant. He's a man now. He has duties and responsibilities, but now he's identified. He can write out checks. He can do whatever because you see he's now moved on. He's moved from elementary to the higher level. Why am I saying this? Because you see Judaism was the elementary and Christianity is the higher level. And Judaism was supposed to transition into Christianity but they wouldn't have it. Now let me show you something here. Andrew if you wouldn't mind honey come over here just for one second. Good boy. <laughs> this is my biological son. Now, if it, was, if it was a Jewish family, then 13 and one day there would have been a bar mitzvah. Even though he's still my biological son, you could say he's my seed. One of my six seeds. Okay? He's still a servant. He has no right to the inheritance at that point yet. He cannot make family decisions or choices yet. Because you see, that's his, that's his, his status. That's Judaism. But the time comes when he's 13 in one day and we have his bar mitzvah. Put upon him the toga virilis, the robe of righteousness, ring on his finger. He has a new status. Even though he's my biological son, I now adopt him into the family. 
That's what Paul's talking about. The Jews, thank you, son. The Jews, under Judaism, they were like the servant. So Judaism produced servants. Christianity produces sons. But by adoption. So we're born into the family. And any Jewish person who is part of the seeds, the biological seeds of Abraham, they can be born again and become the seed of Abraham. And they transition from the servant status to the sonship and manhood status in Christ. So Judaism fulfilled its, its duties. It did what it was supposed to do. And it was supposed to transition into Christianity. But once again, he came to his own. His own received him not. They rejected it. But anybody who would call upon his name, Jew, Gentile, man, woman, bond, free, free man, slave, man, whatever, you become a seed, a child of the Most High God. And that is how a Jewish person is supposed to get saved. Now, the law produced servants, faith produces sons. Look at verse chapter 4. Judaism was to give place to Christianity. Look at chapter 4, verse 1, or verse 21. I know there's a lot to read here, but it has to stay together. I want you to see this continuity. This is his message to these people. He's writing for this specific reason, because they think they've got to still practice Judaism. Go through your rituals, your days, your feasts, your this, that, that. Paul says this, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman, Ishmael and Isaac, Judaism and Christianity. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, Abraham's natural seeds. But of the free woman was by promise, Abraham's spiritual seed. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, where the Ten Commandments came, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. This is natural Israel. But Jerusalem, which is from where? Above, is free, not under the law, which is the mother of us all. For it's written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry. This is Sarah giving birth supernaturally to Isaac, who represents the new covenant. Thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. You see the covenant here? That's the new covenant. That's Christianity. But as then, he that was born after the flesh, that's Ishmael, persecuted him that was born after the spirit, that's Isaac, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what say the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We're children of the free. Judaism can only take you so far. It did its duty. It did what it was supposed to do. And then everyone was supposed to believe in the Savior. 
the Jewish people to believe in a coming Savior. We believe in a Savior who came. And anyone who is in a Jewish camp who looked forward to the coming of the Messiah and accepted Him was saved, born again. They become the seed of Abraham. Anyone who on this side of the cross looks back to the cross and says, Christ, you died for my sin, they become the seed of Abraham. And that becomes the whole family of God. So there's really only three people groups on the planet today. Jew, Gentile, and the house of God. And every Jewish person and every Gentile can be a part of the house or the family of God. But you both have to look to one source for salvation. What's His name? Jesus. Now Christ then is God's way. So look at Galatians chapter 5 and we'll bring it to a close, a conclusion here. Christ is God's way of salvation. He's the way to heaven for both Jew and Gentile. Now we shared with you last week the Roman road. How to get someone saved. Romans 3.23 says all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 Death passed upon all men because of Adam's sin. Romans 6.23 The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 tells us that God commended His love toward us while we were sinners. Christ died for all men. Right? And then Romans 10. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jew and Gentile alike, will be saved. Okay. With that in mind. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, which is the law. Keeping the law. Keeping the feast days. Keeping the Passover. Keeping, keep, keeping all this. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, in other words, if you make them go back under the law and keep the law, Christ shall profit you nothing. Wow. Behold, I, Paul, say to you, if, if you're circumcised, Christ probably not. But for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Anybody here up for circumcision this morning? Well, can you keep the whole law? Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now put this in context. For, if Je for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith that works by love. That is what profits us. Faith working by love. So to the Jewish community, how do you get saved? How do you make heaven? Jesus is the only way, the only truth in life. And you realize it was prophesied that the Messiah would come and do what? Take away the sins of His people. Didn't John say, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away? The sin of the world, didn't he say that? Absolutely. Praise God. So we're not criticizing. We're not putting anybody down. We're not saying there aren't good, morally peop good moral people that are out there living their lives in a good moral way. And their conduct and their character. And I'm sad to say this. I am so sad to say this. In some religious camps, they are more moral and live better lives than even Christians. You know why? We've abused grace. You're taught, you know, grace means your sins are forgiven, past, present, future, so it doesn't matter what you do. Is that true? No. Just, just confess your sin once in a while, that you'll be okay. Really? No. 
we should be more motivated because we know the price that was paid for us to be free was a high price. Amen? So in conclusion, what's the way to heaven? Christ is the only way to heaven. Only truth and only life. And no man comes to the Father except by Him. In Galatians 3.15, the seed, notice what it says. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Notice the singular. And who is her seed? Christ. Who is her? Mary. It shall bruise your head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the first prophecy of the Messiah coming to redeem all mankind from the fallen state that Adam caused and created. It took Judaism to get us to a certain place and it did. And then Christ came. And once Christ came, the schoolmaster was no longer necessary. That's why, that's why all these years, 2,000 years, there hasn't been a temple. There hasn't been a, a, a red heifer. There hasn't been a, an offering in the temple. There's no Shekinah glory. The veil of the temple has gone. It's ripped in two. Shekinah glory has gone back. Why do you think it's been that way for 2,000 years? And what are we supposed to be doing? Provoking them to jealousy. Until the last Gentile comes in when we're out of here. We're supposed to be doing that, evangelizing the world. Not just the, the, the Jewish camp, all camps. So the whole world, let the whole world know. Shout it from the mountaintops. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And then finally, in Acts chapter 4. So from Genesis 3, right on through the Old Testament, God promised a Messiah who would do what? Save His people from their sins. Acts chapter 4, look at verse 11 and 12. This is the stone which was set at naught or set aside of you builders. He's talking to the Jewish people which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And what is that name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Are you glad for that name? Oh, praise God. Revelation chapter 5 tells us there's only one worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof. His name is? Jesus, as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus, He's the only one. Every creature in heaven and earth and beneath the earth heard I saying with a loud voice, blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him that sits upon a throne and the Lamb forever. Right? He redeemed us to God by His blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You realize in the body of Christ there's neither male nor female, Jew or Gentile, and there's neither bond nor free. We're all children of God. The seed Abraham's seed, spiritual seed. Oh, let's all stand together. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. 
So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.